1: To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor.
2: That's what life was like in Egypt. Moses, it writes about Moses. Moses grew up in it. And it says in Hebrews 11:24 Hebrews 11:24 that he had to make a choice by faith Moses when he was come to years refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season esteeming the reproach of Christ greater richer than the treasures of Egypt for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward now, these verses that I just read to you here in Hebrews 11, 24, 26, they show us the great choice that Moses had when he was faced with, with his choice he was faced with in Egypt. We see there from these verses that it says in Hebrews eleven twenty six 26, the treasures in Egypt, the immorality when it says, enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. The pleasures of sin for a season are still pleasurable for a season. And Egypt, Egypt was the kind of place where a woman was fair game for everyone. If there was a husband involved, kill him. That's Egypt. That's what Egypt was. It was a land of pleasures, unbridled pleasures. We have sin city, that was sin country. And Egypt had a call to it, a call. It was very much like a call, an invitation call, Very much like an invitation call that you find in Proverbs 9.13, Proverbs 9.13, which is the foolish woman. And it says there, the foolish woman is clamorous, she is simple, she knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house on a seat in the high places of the cities to call passengers who go right on their ways. Whoso is simple, let him turn in hither. As for him that wanteth understanding, she saith to him, Stolen waters are sweet. And bread eaten eaten in secret is pleasant, but he knoweth not that the dead are there and that her guests are in the depths of hell. This is what Moses was faced with, and he was faced with the choice of, am I going to hold dear to my heart all these treasures, all these pleasures of sin in Egypt, or am I going to choose to forsake it all in Egypt so I can go be with the people of God in the desert? That was the choice that he made. That was the greatness of Moses. He made the right choice. But this is why Egypt is like the world with its gold and its pleasures of sin. And boy, does the devil know how to make gold glitter. And does the devil know how to give the illusion that all this wealth is just there for you and so obtainable, just come down and come and get it. And all these pleasures of sin are so desirable. And Egypt has this inviting voice that calls out come down to me come down to me and god has a special warning in the bible about those who decide to listen to that voice and go down to egypt and that warning is in isaiah 31:1 isaiah 31:1 where god says woe to them that go down to egypt for help and stay on horses and trust in chariots because they are many and in horsemen because they are very strong but they look not unto the Holy One of Israel, neither seek the Lord. God's word to those who makes this decision to go down to Egypt for help instead of seeking help from God is God's warning is woe to them that go down to Egypt for help. So Egypt cries out, come down to me. Abraham hears this invitation from Egypt to come down and Abraham says, why not? Why not? A lot of people are going down to Egypt for help. Now, there were only two instances where God approved of his people going down to Egypt. The one instance was Mary and Joseph when they were running away from the slaughtering blade of Herod, and God said, go down to Egypt, and when time's right, you come out. But God always said, you come out. And the other time was with old Jacob when he went down, Joseph's invitation, and he was there. But even in that case, even in that case, Jacob says, I know I'm going to die. Don't bury my bones in Egypt. I am not an Egyptian. I am not from Egypt. Don't bury my bones here. Carry them out, which they did. And Joseph also said, don't bury my bones. Don't let my bones stay here. Carry them out, which they did. So those are the only two times where God allowed his followers to go into Egypt. Otherwise, Egypt was off limits, off limits for God's people because of how Egypt represents the world. But Abraham was allured by all those inviting cries from Egypt. Abraham hoped that maybe just everything's going to work out if I just go down to Egypt. I know that this famine is just devastating my livestock. One by one, Abraham thinks all my troubles will be over. I just got to go down to Egypt. I know God called me from a long way away to this land of promise here in Canaan. I know God wants me here in Canaan, but why can't I go down to Egypt? God will be with me in Egypt. He was with me in Ur. He was with me in Canaan. He'll be with me down there. Abraham had never been to Egypt. Abraham had heard about Egypt's great river, the Nile, overflowing its bank with its miracle grow water, but Abraham had heard about those unbelievable crops, and he was thinking, "My flocks won't starve." And he had never been to Egypt, but Abraham had heard all about all those vast treasures in Egypt and the great monuments, the castles, the tombs, and so forth, and he just couldn't stop thinking about Egypt. And the more Abraham thought about Egypt, the worse God's promised land of Canaan looked to him that was gripped by this famine. Slowly, Abraham would tell us he turned his heart from God and from the God of the land of Canaan for help to meet his need in the land of Egypt. Now, Abraham had also heard about how the Egyptians were very immoral and every woman was fair game in Egypt. And so he heard what the, how the Egyptians were gripped in a sexual lust where every woman was looked over by every man. And, and Abraham had heard about if there was a husband involved, he'd just be killed. But the famine was beating hard on Abraham and he needed food. So Abraham overlooked all the sin in Egypt and he thought, I could just go down there. I can be insulated. I can be isolated from all those things in Egypt and just have my little old life with God apart from them. He thought, God's will find me down there like he found me in Ur. And somehow I'll reestablish my life and I'll reestablish my walk with God and I'll just get settled down there and I'll have food for myself and food for my livestock. And the more Abraham thought about this, the more Abraham thought about the wealth in Egypt and how he had never seen it, the louder the voice of Egypt came to Abraham. Abraham, come down to me. I'll give you wealth. I'll give you wealth. There's plenty for you. I'll give you food. And Abraham was allured by Egypt's wealth. And the more he thought about this great abundance of food, the beauty of the land, the louder the voice came down to him. Abraham, come to me. You fill yourself. You fill your cattle with my abundance of food. You enjoy pleasures. It's all waiting for you in Egypt, and Abraham was enticed by Egypt's pleasures. So Abraham made a decision, and that decision is verse 10. Verse 10, there was a famine in the land. Abraham went down into Egypt to sojourn there. We don't. It's just a little statement. Abraham went down to Egypt, but oh, what was behind it? For the famine was grievous in the land. That was the most tragic decision that Abraham ever made in his life. And no sooner did he get into Egypt that the sin of Egypt moved in on Abraham. And sure enough, as it says in verse 11 through 16, the Egyptians saw the beauty of Sarai, his wife. And he knew that, and he felt that, and he says, look, you just say, I'm your sister, otherwise I'm the dead person. And so she does. They see her beauty. They take her to be Pharaoh's, one of Pharaoh's wives. And Pharaoh then gives him all this wealth of sheep and oxen and he asses and men servants and maid servants and she asses and camels. And then we say to Abraham, Abraham, what have you done? Abraham, you just disowned your wife. Abraham, do you know what you're doing? Do you know you've caused your wife to be taken by another man? Abraham, you've jeopardized God's plan to bring blessings to all the families of the earth by giving up your wife. Abraham, your wife is taken from you. Your seed is about to be spoiled. How is the Savior of the world going to come in now? And so finishes the second movement in this symphony on Abraham's failure and recovery, Abraham's failure. And now we start this third movement, which is Abraham sitting there in Egypt, and he's feeling the loss of it all. And he sits in Egypt. He's got all this food, that more food than he could possibly eat, an unbelievable new wealth of donkey, sheep, oxen, and servants. And, oh, by the way, along with those servants was a pretty little Egyptian girl named Hagar who will end up destroying Abraham's home for the rest of his life, will produce for Abraham a son Ishmael that will be a lifelong grief for him, and a lifelong grief for us. What does it show? Sin has consequences of lifelong scars. Yes, God will deliver, but the scars will remain. So now Abraham sits in Egypt, a very wealthy man. He can have whatever he wants. And Egypt has said, see, Abraham, I delivered on my promise. I told you all the wealth would be here. I gave it to you. I told you all the food is here. I gave it to you. But... Abraham's beautiful wife is gone, and he deeply misses his wife. Even more than his wife, Abraham misses his God. And with this deep feeling of loss, Abraham is sits there, he's all alone, even though he's got all these servants all around him, and he remembers the past, and he sits there and he thinks to himself, I remember the joy in my life when I heard first heard God speak to me. And he sits there and he remembers, I remember the commitment in my life that I made to God. And I remember how my life was just so perfect of trust and obey. There's no other way. And I remember the great release I felt from sin when I was back there in Ur in the Chaldees when I obeyed God. And I remember the sweet fellowship that I had with God at those altars when I called on his name. I remember that peace that I had when I called on the name of the Lord. I remember the assurance that I had when I believed God's promises. I remember the happiness I had when Sarah was by my side, was with me. But something has gone terribly wrong and the path has become so horribly slippery and now I'm just caught up with this love of Egypt and now all I feel is my loss. I feel I have lost everything. I've lost my purpose in life. I know God called me to be a priest for the lost on earth, and how can I stand for men before God and others when I have disowned my own wife? Oh, I feel like I've lost my purpose in life. And then he says, and I feel like I've lost my power in life. My power came from calling on the Lord. How can I call on the Lord when I disobeyed God so terribly and all I feel now is this loss of my power in life? And worst of all, I lost my fellowship with God When I disowned my wife, I betrayed my God, and all I feel now is this great loss of my fellowship with God. And all this deep feeling of great loss that Abraham felt, he's feeling like this howling emptiness inside of him from the loss of all of it. There's a hymn, I don't think we've sung it yet, but there's a hymn that expresses it so well when it says, Where is the blessedness I knew when first I saw the Lord? Where is the soul refreshing view of Jesus and his word? What peaceful hours I once enjoyed, how sweet their memories still. But they have left an aching void the world can never fill. Return, O holy dove, return, sweet messenger of rest. I hate the sins that made thee mourn and drove thee from my breast. The dearest idol I have known, whatever that idol be, help me to tear it from thy throne and worship only thee. That's Abraham. That's Abraham sitting down there in Egypt. He's like many a Christian who's made the wrong decision. He's like the, just like Peter warming himself at the world's fire when a little girl comes up to Peter and says, you know, your accent sounds like you're a Galilean. Are you sure you're not one of those followers of Jesus? And he denies his Lord with oaths and curses. And many a Christian has slid down this slippery path of being caught up with this world and living a life of denying the Lord. Aren't you one of those? Aren't you one of those no beer, no-girls, no-fun Christians? Aren't you one of those? Oh, no, not me. No, not me. This was Abraham's failure. Finishes this movement here, this third movement, and Abraham's feeling of loss. But thank God there's a fourth and final movement, and it doesn't end here because the fourth and final movement is Abraham's recovery. Abraham's recovery. Now, the Bible does not portray God's children as never falling, the Bible does not portray God's children as never failing, the Bible does portray God's children as falling and recovering as it says in Proverbs 24, 16. Proverbs 24, 16 says, a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again, but the wicked shall fall into mischief as in fall once into mischief. Bible says in Psalm 37, 23, Psalm 37, 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. I've been young, and now I'm old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken. Abraham fell, and a Christian will fall, and it was painful for Abraham, and it's painful for a Christian, but there's recovery with God. And a Christian will not fall once, but as it says in Proverbs 24:16, seven times, but he'll get up seven times. And for a Christian to say, not me, I'll never fall them not me lord though all should deny you not me that was peter's words though all should deny you not me he was the biggest denier when a person says that he will never fall he's about to fall he's about to fall how do i know that because it says that in first corinthians 10 12 first corinthians 10 12 wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth watch out take heed lest he fall that's why this fourth and final movement in Abraham's, in this symphony of Abraham's it, failure and recovery, is so important. It's Abraham's recovery. You know, another word for recovery is restoration. Restoration. Thank God there's a restoration with God. Psalm 130, verse 3. Psalm 130, verse 3. If thou, Lord, shouldst mark iniquity, O Lord, who shall stand? But there is forgiveness with thee that thou mayest be feared. There's restoration for the Christian, and there's restoration for Israel. And that's a great name for a mission, Israel Restoration Ministries. <laughs> so first, God has a particular love for his people. And this love, in Abraham's case, was seen through a heathen king, a Pharaoh, who rebuked him and brought great shame to Abraham, as it says in verse 18, Genesis 12:18, 1218. 12, 12, 18. Pharaoh called Abram. And said, What is this thing that thou hast done it to me? Why dost thou not tell me she is thy wife? Why saidest thou she is my sister, so I may have taken her to wife? Now therefore, behold thy wife, take her, go thy way. This is really, really hard for Abraham to take. This is so hard for him to be put to shame by this king. But he needed it. And God said, Yes, you did, Abraham, because of Hebrews 12:6. Hebrews 12:6 says, Whom the Lord loveth, he correct, he chasteneth, and scourgeth. Scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. That's a pretty hard word, it. This was a deep wound on Abraham's soul, but he needed it. You know what the king said to him? The king said, why have you lied to me? You are a liar. Now get out of here. Liars don't belong here. You don't belong here. Why did you ever come here? Now leave. That was rough. And in great shame and in great embarrassment, Abraham left Egypt and returned back to where he called on the name of the Lord. Genesis 13.1, 13.1, Abraham went up out of Egypt, he and his wife and all he had, lot with them into the south. Abraham was very rich in cattle, silver and gold. He went on his journeys from the south. You see him moving, he's moving, moving. From the south, even to Bethel, unto the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai, unto the place of the altar, which he had made at the first, made at the first. There, Abram called on the name of the Lord. Did you get those words in Genesis 13, verses 3 and 4, where his tent had been at the beginning, and unto the place of the altar, which he had made at the first? If This is all about going back to where at the beginning and at the first. Abraham had to go back to the place where he left God, because the place of departure is the place of recovery. The place of departure is the place of recovery. There's an illustration of this in the prophet's life, when, as it says in 2 Kings 6.5, 2 Kings 6.5, one of the prophets, but as one was felling a beam, the axe head, who he was chopping, the axe head fell into the water. He cried and said, alas, master, for it was borrowed. And the man of God said, where fell it? And he showed him the place, and he cut down a stick and cast in thither, and the iron did swim. Therefore he said, said, he, take it up to thee, and he put out his hand and took it. The axe head fell into the river, a flowing river, and the prophet asked, where did it fall in the river? What a ridiculous question. What difference does it make? Are you going to dive down there and get it? If you're going to make it swim, what does it matter where it fell? No, 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 but it was very important because the prophet says, no, we must go back to that place. We must go back to where it fell in the water. And he took a stick there and he threw it in that place and the axe head swam, illustrating the place of departure is the place of recovery. And Abraham, where did you go wrong? At Bethel, go back to Bethel. Abraham, where did you go wrong? At my altar. Go back to your altar. Go back to your calling on the name of God. Abraham, the place of your departure from God is also the place of your recovery. Go back to Bethel. This lesson that we see here in Abraham, this history, is for the person today that wants to return to God. This passage is for the person who wants to call a halt to it all and has been on the world's road too long. This is for the person who feels the loss like Abraham did, who's tired of life in Egypt and wants to come back. And this is for the person who's ready to hear the Lord Jesus as he spoke in Revelation 2 4. Revelation 2 4. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen and repent and do the first works, or else I'll come unto thee quickly. Remove thy candlestick out of its place, except thou repent. If someone here is wanting a full restoration, is ready to say with the hymn we've sung in the past, out of my sorrow, bondage, and night, Jesus, I come, then this is for that person today. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for, Lord, the recovery of Abraham. Thank you for recording all this, Lord, about his failure. but Thank you so much that there was recovery as you have it for everyone. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, 330 Santee, California, 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God,
0: every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on youtube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org.
2: This program was brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.